This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. So about five years ago, my wife and I were heading for Florida, and one of our best friends, Randy, who was serving some time in Iraq, offered us the generous use of his condo for a week. We uh, got to the gated community, we got to the, the gate, and the guard asked me something I wasn't expecting. He asked me, what's your password? I had no password. So I explained to him that I had known Randy for like 30 years, that we had traveled all the way from Missouri, that we were bone tired, and we really were looking forward to the use of his condo. One of the things that the guard was willing to do, he was willing to talk to his boss, and he was able to bring his boss to the gate. And the boss started drilling me. He started drilling me questions like the kind of questions you have to protect your social security number or any other personal data that you might have. And fortunately enough, I knew the passwords. I mean, I knew the answers to these questions about my friend Randy, and I got access into the condo. Today we're going to be looking at the scripture from the Gospel of John where Jesus says, I am the gate. And it gives us a great example of what Jesus is willing to do for us as the shepherd and as the one that becomes the gate of protection in our life. So to get started, I want to show us first an image. This is an image right out of the culture of Jesus' day in the Middle East, how a shepherd guarded his sheep. And you'll notice that there's the surrounding pasture, there's the, the landscape in the background, there's the wall that's, that forms the pen. The sheepfold are protected inside the walls, and of course there is the gate where the shepherd literally became his body, the gate of protection for the sheep. That's the image that Jesus is wanting us to see as he shares these words of Scripture with us from the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter, verses 1 through 10. Let's look at these words of Jesus together. Very truly I tell you, Anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them because they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and out, go in and out, and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. 
I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. So there's two purposes for a gate, right? A gate closes as a way of protection. It's a way of, okay, whatever's inside the confines is now safe. The gate closes to prevent any predators, anything that doesn't belong inside the fold, inside the walls, inside the protection. It can't get in. And then the gate also serves as an opening. The gate opens. The gate offers access where we go in and out, where we follow out and we come in and we go out. That's the image that Jesus wants us to see. First of all, let's talk about when the gate is closed or why we need some sense of guard or protection over our spirits, over our hearts, over our lives. We know we live in a dangerous world. Um, we know that life happens. We, knows that, we know that thieves and robbers come in all kinds of shapes and sizes and all kinds of different venues and ways in life. A couple of weeks ago, I was getting my car washed, and I pulled into the stall, and the attendant uh, ran up, and he explained to me that just the last 30 minutes, someone came at broad daylight, and they ripped off this part and made their way with $30 worth of change. And he says, you got to hand it to them. They did it in broad daylight with three attendants. And then there's the other kind of thieves and robbery that occurs. Um, last night, this community had another candlelight vigil. So we thought about uh, a two-year-old life and a four-year-old life snuffed out and taken from them by their father who was disturbed. We know sometimes in those places, in our homes, in our families, which ought to be the safest place of all, isn't. We know that we live in a community where domestic violence is very prevalent. We know there's all kinds of ways in which we don't feel safe because we aren't always safe. About a month ago, Springfield made a list. It's not the list you want to be on, the most dangerous cities in America. And based on per capita, the number of crimes, the number of violence, the number of burglaries, the number of murders, we ranked number one as the most dangerous city in America. Now, I still love our town. I think it's a great community to live in. And yet, who of us are not fully aware that just the last few months in, around Springfield, the greater Springfield community, there seems to be an onslaught on some of the worst kinds of thieves and robs, robbery. Jesus said the thief and the bandit comes to kill and steal and destroy. How many of you have ever been the victim of identity theft or had your email hacked or some identity stolen? I know I've had that done a few times in my life. You know, one of the games that people are playing right now is creating these 
bogus Wi-Fi sites. And so when you, next time you go to Panera, uh, make sure you're really on the Panera site, for example, because in just a matter of seconds, they're ripping off name, email, identity, passwords. Jesus was someone that never, ever hedged on truth and on reality. In Jesus' day and in our day, There's thieves, there's robbers. And friends, there's there's disease, there's death, there's there's depression, there's there's suicide attempts. All this kind of stuff has occurred this week in lives of people that I know and I care about. So evil is real. Mental illness is real. And there's also this this spiritual dimension in which we really need Christ to guard and protect our hearts. So how how does that happen? One of my favorite Proverbs is the Scripture, uh, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because everything you do flows from it. And so I can put safeguards on my heart. I can choose uh, what goes into my mind and my spirit and my heart to a point. But I also know that I need to intentionally invite Jesus to be the guard of my spirit and my heart and my thoughts. I need Jesus. And one of the ways in which I go to this touchstone when my, when my spirit is troubled, when, when life is difficult, I go to the scripture of, of Philippians 4 and I meditate and I think about these words. And, I, and I've been doing this a lot the last week or ten days. And the words are that do not be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, um, the peace of God will transcend all understanding. It, it transcends your rational mind, okay? It bypasses the ego intellect. It transcends all that. It guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so I have found that I have to create a a mantra or something that brings me back to Jesus, brings me back to listening to the voice. And the mantra that I've created that helps me, and I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me because it's just one way that we might do this, but the, the mantra is really just ten words. And, and so uh, say these words after me. Don't worry so much. Be joyful always. God is near. Don't worry so much. Be joyful always. God is near. And I go through that mantra sometimes several times a day. And, and I say that in my spirit. I breathe that. I breathe that in the midst of difficulty or trouble or whatever because I am actively, intentionally asking Jesus to guard my heart and my spirit. This is a great image that Jesus gives for us. He is the gate 
He's the gatekeeper. He's the shepherd that literally becomes that protection over our spirit and over our life. And I need him to operate that way. Now, there's another function of the gate. If we could have that scripture that says, I am the gate, and through me, through that gate, people will be saved. Where people are able to go in and to go out and to find pasture. And so, Jesus is also that one that opens the gate and allows us to move forward and to follow him and to be in relationship with him. So, so how does this happen? Kai Stevenson has given her witness on video. I'm going to ask you to watch carefully Kai's words and her description of how she's following Jesus. Let's watch. Did that, like, sit on it? Oh, my gosh, okay. Does that work? I was raised in the church. I was an acolyte from the time I was in the second grade until the twelfth grade. But I never really had a relationship with Christ or understood the importance of it. Church was more of a routine. It was something we did on Sunday mornings. We'd go to church, sit in the same pew, go to the same restaurant and eat and then go about our week. Um, after high school um, and during college I took about a ten year break from church. I'd go on Christmas and Easter. Um, I made a lot of bad choices during that time, had a lot of dark days, but I did meet a wonderful man. And it was during our first year of marriage that we started attending church regularly. Anybody that's been married knows that the first year is hard and we were searching, searching for more. We were both raised in the church and knew that if we ever had a family, we'd want them to have a church home. And it was really during that first year that I started feeling the Holy Spirit work within me. I started reading the Bible, really reading the Bible, feeling convicted by God's Word, searching and longing for a deeper, more intimate relationship. Jesus is the gate. He is life. He is salvation. It's been a journey. It hasn't always been easy. There's times I feel like I take one step forward and two steps back, but it's a journey worth taking. I am Kai Stevenson, and I am following Jesus. Did you notice in Kai's description of her life that she grew up in the church? So she grew up in this structure of, of faith, and her family brought her to church, and yet there wasn't really any real relationship with Jesus. And so what Kai did is what typically any 18-year-old will do. Once they get out away from the structure of the faith that they grew up in, or at least the structure of the religion that they grew up in, they, they go away. They, they escape, and they go into their 20s, and, and Kai says that for her, she made a lot of bad choices, and yet something brought her back to church, but when she came back to church the second time, she noticed the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm sure the Holy Spirit was present before, wherever she was going, but she really felt and sensed the presence of the Spirit. And she talks about this relationship that she can have with Jesus. An intimate relationship is what she describes. She talks about this wonderful man, this, her husband, and, and the tough year uh, of a first year of marriage. It is often so tough in marriages. But she talks about how that this Jesus, this voice that she's following, 
is leading her in and out to find pasture, to find nourishment, and through Bible study and connection and, and groups and community, she's following Jesus. You know, Jesus hasn't left us alone. Jesus hasn't left us alone to figure this out on our own. Jesus has given us the scriptures. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us a community of faith. And and he's calling all of us into the fold. Now, sometimes it's hard to to sort out the voice in the midst of all the voices. It's kind of like the TV show, The Voice, where there are those times when there's just the blind audition. And the judges have nothing to go on but just the voice. They can't see anything. And our faith is often not by, not by sight. In fact, Jesus said, blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. There's some times in my life, there's some wonderful signs and wonders. There's some wonderful evidences that God is at work. And there's other times when I cannot see. And I'm the judge. And all these voices are coming at me. I'm in the blind here. And I've got to sort out and listen carefully for the voice. The voice of God. How do you identify the voice of Jesus? It's a voice of intimacy. It's not the loudest voice. It is a voice that is not always clamoring for our attention, but it is constant, it is persistent, and it is real. It's the voice that leads us away from destructive actions toward ourselves or other people. It is never about stealing life from us. It is never about forcing us to do anything against our will, but it is a voice that says, I've come. I'm come, I'm here and I've come to offer you life. I'm for you, not against you. And I am wanting to call you into my fold, and I'm wanting to lead you in and out, and I'm calling you to go out into this adventure in life with me, and I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to be the rod and the protector. I'm going to be the shepherd that goes with you. It's not about some stale, stagnant, religious, confined church stuff. It's about real life. You are the church. You are the sheep. I'm your shepherd. Come on. Come on. Let's follow. And we need that. We need people in our life that will be that voice too. I think in everyone's life we need people who will be the voice of Jesus and you just know when Jesus is speaking through you. And we also need to be that voice for other people. I love the movie McFarlane. It's uh, still out in the, in the theater. I recommend it, uh, you to see it if you haven't. It's, it's the true story about this PE coach that Kevin Costner uh, portrays. Uh, this coach that loses a job after a job, and he and his wife and his two kids wind up in this Hispanic community called McFarlane, California, a very small um, town made up of Mexican migrant workers and also in the shadow of a prison. 
McFarland, in one sense, has nothing going for it. And the coach has nothing going for him either. But he sees this talent in some of the students. And he sees that they can run fast, really fast. And so he creates this cross-country team. They don't have a cross-country team. I think oftentimes when the Spirit's at work, God is calling us to create something out of nothing. God is calling us to create new things. And in this amazing ingenuity, this coach calls forth a cross-country team, and he's got to do two things. First of all, he's got to convince these guys, these students, that they have talent and ability and they can come and run. He's got, to, he's got to convince their parents because they're migrant workers and the parents can't really afford these guys to be away from the field because that's putting food on the table. But he convinces the family that these guys can run and he formulates championship teams after championship teams. But the second thing he's got to do is convince these guys that just as you have succeeded in being track stars in high school, you can succeed in life. And the label that you are a loser or the label that you cannot succeed in life, that you will always just be who you are, is false. And he calls them. And the true story is that all these guys either go to school or land a job and make something of their life because there's a coach that believes in them. And there's stories like that all the time when God gets a hold of our lives. I love uh, this statement that God doesn't accept us because we're good. God accepts us because God is good. That's one of those foundational statements. Uh, we never earn, deserve God's love and goodness. Now, God sees some goodness in us, and God sees the brokenness in us. He, he sees us as we are. But we can never do anything in this life to get God to love us less or love us more. But it's God's goodness. It's, it's Jesus calling out our name coming, coming for the lost sheep, not being satisfied that someone's outside the fold, always after the misfits, always after those who sin and blow it. You know, Jesus never had trouble with sinners. He only had pe trouble with people who didn't realize they were sinners. He never had trouble with people who had lost their way. He was always about finding them and leading them back into the way. He was always about truth. He was never about compromise. He always went hard on the issue while loving the person. It's the way of Jesus. It's our salvation. It's our relationship. Salvation is not saying one little simple prayer one time and we got our ticket to heaven. That's not what salvation is. Salvation is coming into this relationship with the shepherd. 
and calling on Him to be our protector and following, following the voice. Straying away sometimes, but following the voice. I grew up on a farm and my, my dad had a guttural sound for the cattle. We could try to imitate the voice, but it never worked. But when my father called for the cattle, they would come running because they knew his voice. There is the voice, there is the voice of the Good Shepherd. There is the voice that calls us out. And this whole thing about accepting is about accepting God's acceptance of us. I like the statement of Richard Rohr when he says that to allow yourself to be chosen is to be chosen. We don't have to worry about is God going to choose us or not. To allow yourself to be blessed is to be blessed. Here's the hard part. It's, it's about accepting our acceptance. There's a certain kind of humility that's needed to surrender and even more to persist in believing it. <clears throat> you know, there's times when we, we kind of lose our grip, lose our way, and we lose our confidence and our ability to hold on to God. In those times, remember this. He doesn't lose his grip on us. And he doesn't allow any sheep that's in his hand, he says, to get away. Love the dance. Love the idea that we hear it, we follow the guide. Jesus is calling us to a dance. If we could watch that image one more time, think about who you are right now and where you are in your relationship with Christ. Sometimes he leads us inside the fold, and he's, he's the gatekeeper. We need that protection right now. Sometimes he's leading us out into the adventure of life, and and he's still with us, but he's going to call us out. Where are you in your relationship with Christ today? As our band comes and leads us in, in some more time of worship, I want to just lead us into a, a prayer uh, calling upon Christ. Jesus, be the great shepherd of your sheep. Be the gate, be the gatekeeper, be the one that guards our hearts. We ask that you would come and guard our spirits. We pray that we wouldn't worry so much, <clears throat> that we would be joyful always because your kingdom and your reign is forever and you are never in trouble, that you are always near. And we pray that we would be following, we'd be listening, that you would help us in our judging and discerning of all the voices coming at us, that we would hear your voice. And we would follow. We would follow. Thank you.
for calling us by name and calling us into your fold. Amen.